0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. This morning, as I was preparing for for uh, worship time, one of our staff came by and said, "Hey, really great, uh, really great topic for your sermon this morning." Really good stuff, um, because we're going to talk about a woman that died, and and she was like, you know, I I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I just had to kind of mess with you about it. Well, guys, let me share with you. The good news is she gets better. Okay, so know that right off the off the bat, we're talking about a we're talking about a story in the Bible in Acts chapter nine, and. In Acts chapter 9, a lot of stuff happens. We, we see the Apostle, Saul, the Apostle Paul become the Apostle Paul. He's, his name was Saul, and he had been persecuting believers with headlong abandon. And Jesus appears to him. And as we shared in the story a few weeks ago, he appears to Paul, but not to the others that are around that hear him but don't see him. So there were witnesses. There were tacit witnesses that this event really did happen, and Paul ends up becoming converted and has faith in Christ, and is told to go ahead and head into the city where he had been heading to persecute believers. He's told to head in there, and that that someone will go to him. and He's blind and he can't see, and he's he's not he's he's just a mess. And this man is told to go in and and go to the apostle Paul and and and. Pray for him, and he will be restored. Acts chapter 9 is is a chapter in the Bible where you see one restoration after another. And this is the third in that that list, the third of these restorations. And guys, we're going to be talking about um, who will come to your funeral. Now, who's going to come to your funeral? Um, Probably family, right? Probably, maybe some friends, Uh, but the one that we want to focus on this morning is the others, and the others, I want you to kind of think, past your family and friends, anybody else that might come to your funeral, you say, well, what in the heck are we doing, that Mother's Day sermon, Clyde, why are we doing this, well guys, it's important, because what ends up happening in this story leads directly to folks finding the love of God through a woman who lived her life absolutely as an overcomer. Let me ask you a couple of questions. And by the way, Jeff Nobles did not put me up to any of this, alright? Have you already planned out your final affairs? Or let me put it in a in a in a infomercial. Have you planned out your final affairs? Imagine Jeff doing this for you right now. Most of us really, we have ideas. A few of us have actually put them down on paper, and some of you have done the work of taking care of all of your final arrangements, and you are in the minority. The only other thing that really is of consequence then is the when the final arrangements are going to be Put into place. Most of us don't have that one figured out, but I want to share with you that God already knows how many days you have left. And instead of looking at it as a deficit account that is dwindling, I want you to look at it as this you have time remaining to get everything right. You have time remaining. You have at least this moment to get things right between you and others or you and God. That is God's provision of love for you that he gives you one more one more one more chance. And this is that one more chance for many of you that are here here today. We're going to read this scripture together. It's in Acts chapter 9 verse 36. I'm going to invite you to stand the honor of reading God's word. And let me ask you to go ahead and read with me if you would. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Leda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. And all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for all the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Peter is asked to do something. And I want you to kind of reflect back in your life the times that you have been asked to go comfort a friend. To go and be at a place where where someone has suffered a great loss or a tragedy. And to simply go there. And guys, let me share with you. We've talked about this before. There are times, as a Christ follower, there are times that you and I can go into a room with a loved one or into a hospital room, and we can go ahead and, and share Scripture with folks, and we can go ahead and pray with them. But folks, I will tell you that there are other times that when you walk into a room, God's Holy Spirit will begin to talk to you and tell you the best thing you can do right now is be quiet and be here. It is called a ministry of presence. It's where you actually show up and you don't do like Job's friends who, who kind of sit back and go, well, you know, you got yourself into this mess. I'll just sit here and wait for you to finally go ahead and figure out what you did wrong to God and that's the reason He's punishing you. That's not it. You simply are there. You simply can put your hand on their shoulder. You can be a shoulder for them to cry on. That's not what Peter is asked to do. As a matter of fact, He's simply told by those disciples, please come as quick as you can. And he makes his way to Lydda. If you read the previous verses in chapter 9, you see that Peter is used by God to heal a man. But nowhere in the story is he asked to change Tabitha's condition. Tabitha is actually her given name. And in Greek, it would have been Dorcas. So let's see a show of hands this morning. How many of you ladies would like to have the name Tabitha instead of Dorcas? Okay. All those in favor of Tabitha, raise your hands. Okay. How many of y'all like Dorcas? Okay. There's something wrong with you. All right. Dorcas is not... Dorcas just... Maybe it's because of the vernacular of dork and maybe if you ever got called. I, I I remember seeing that Sunday school class back when I first started going to church and they would have the dorkest class. And I'm like, who in the world would ever want to go to that class and that name? Well, it's from this story. And she was a really great lady. As a matter of fact, she'd already been prepared for burial. And she'd been cleaned and wrapped in burial clothes. She was to be buried before sundown, according to Jewish tradition, on the very day that she died. And that's the reason that Peter is told, if you want to see her, you need to hurry and get there in time. She had been a remarkable woman, a mom and a helper, someone that cared for the poor. No doubt, some of those poor had felt compelled to be at this viewing. She was a woman that would have had friends, family, and the poor come to her funeral. And she was involved in God's work. As a matter of fact, we find, we find that when, she is, when, when Peter gets there, we find that he is told and shown all of these things that she had done with her life. Kind of, kind of like a show and tell. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Will the poor people want to come to your funeral? Now look, there's nothing noble about being poor. There's nothing noble about it. It doesn't make you more holy or just. It doesn't make you more righteous. But it's interesting what the Bible does say about the poor. It says that the poor don't have the material things that get in the in the way of a relationship with God. They don't have the stuff. A few weeks ago, I was invited to go with the X Y Z group to go to see the Mammoth State Park up near Waco, Texas, where there is a recovery event of, of, of mammoths that are that are there. It's it's a fascinating thing. Worth Worth and Debbie Ferguson said, "Clyde, we want you to come," and and I was looking forward to it not just because I qualify age-wise to now go with the XYZ, but I was really kind of looking forward to it. And at that moment, my Toyota truck had a problem. My wife's car had a problem. And then I went back to the trusty Volkswagen, all right, the thing that never breaks, it broke. I couldn't go. And i got to share with you that when, when I kind of, Began to reflect on it. Okay, is this is this God telling me I don't need to go with X? Is something going to happen on the bus while they're driving? And I began to kind of look at it that way. And let me share with you. I would have gone. I would have lovingly and willingly gone to that wonderful exhibit and and learned about a fascinating part of Earth's history. But guys, God sometimes puts you in places where you are to be in one place because of an appointment that He has for you rather than what you think your schedule should be. Peter was in the midst of a great revival. He is healing folks. And he's told to drop what he's doing, like Philip, to go meet the Ethiopian. Drop what you're doing and go. And when he gets there, he's not asked to do anything. We just want you to be here because she's going to be put in a tomb. And we wanted you to be able to see her. She was that woman who would have had these friends. The poor people that would have come to her funeral would have been folks that would have heard and seen in in her life her care for others. I've been pastor here 12 years. I can share with you the number of funerals that I've done since I've been here. It's a little over 200. During that time, I have seen people who are on the outside of our culture and society come to funerals for folks that quietly and casually, helped the very people that would have come to Tabitha's funeral who were already there who were grieving will those that loved you be willing to go ahead and show what God has done in your life there's a reason that Peter has shown these clothes no doubt some of those clothes had been made for the disciples and for for even Peter himself. Look at what she had made. These were made. She was she was busy even till the last moments of her life. Look, Peter, and see these things. It seems trivial to show a visitor clothes that a deceased saint had made for him or for others, but it is a great witness and testimony that there remains a tangible thing that others can marvel at. Let me ask you a question. What are you leaving behind that tells the story of of the priorities of your life. Let me share with you one quick truth. You're leaving all of it behind. You're not going to tag anything along behind the hearse with a tow hitch going to Oakland Cemetery. It all remains behind. So what is the testimony of the things that you have and the things that you do that is bearing witness of the one that you have faith in? If you come up with a blank, then the good news is that God has given you today and the rest of your life to leave tangible evidence, not of your goodness, but of God's goodness. Tabitha did that. Now the real miracle isn't just the raising of a dead saint. That is just part of the story. The main part is is the reaction of those that see and hear. The main thing that happens is the reaction. She helped believers around her, and certainly folks that weren't yet followers of Jesus. She moved where the need was, and let God do the rest through her. The real miracle is that Tabitha's life counted dead or alive. Does your life count right now? Would your death be something that would count for God? Would folks come to your funeral that don't know Jesus Christ? And by the testimony of the life that you have lived, would you go ahead and have enough to convince them that there is in fact forgiveness and hope? Well, you know the story. Peter goes in. And he invites everyone that's in the room to leave. Some of those that must have been around him thought, well, he was deeply moved by this lady that he knew and that he knew would would have been a, a special person in the ministry that God had called him to and that he had spent the last eight chapters of the book of Acts living out. This was the lady that no doubt looked at Peter and didn't see all of his failings but instead looked at him as the person that God was going to use in a powerful way, like he did at the temple in Acts chapter 2. And he's praying. Now there's something that happens here that I want you to kind of cross-reference back. If you've got a piece of paper or a note, I want you to write this down. I want you to look at Mark's Gospel chapter 5. Now what you're going to find in there is a series of stories that go along with with Jesus healing Jairus' daughter. Now, he's one of the, the temple leaders, okay? And he comes to Jesus, and listen, it doesn't say anything about whether he believes in Jesus as Messiah. It just says that he went to Jesus because he knew he could do something that that man could not do. And that was make his little daughter well. By the time that Jesus gets there, she has passed away. What ends up happening next is kind of interesting because it reflects to exactly what Peter does here. Jesus turns to this little girl and he uses a specific term, and the term is talitha. It, it is, it, it's a slang term that would have said little bitty one, little girl. And he uses the word "kum." which is that word that means come up or rise up. He says, Talitha, cum," And she's raised from the dead. Now, it's interesting in your Bible, you may have something very similar here. Because here's Peter and he's in this room with this lady who is dead. She's not just dead, she's dead, dead. She's already been prepared. And he goes and he says these words, Tabitha, kum, rise up. Was it a play on words? Did Peter have a rhyme in his heart? I don't know, but it tells me something that you and I need to take away from what happened here. You see, others had been drawn to Christ by what they heard, saw, and experienced through Tabitha's life, especially after her raising from the dead. There were those who would who would believe, but there were the others who had been touched by her life when she was previously alive. They were the ones that were showing the clothes, crying the tears, going to fetch Peter. And what will people hear and see and experience when your life is through? Let me share with you this. When Peter ends up speaking those words and says for her to rise, he is simply doing The work that he saw Jesus do. So here's what you and I ought to be thinking about doing on Mother's Day. What is the work that God created you to do? That God put in in your mother's womb? And by the way, the Bible is very clear. It says God knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He didn't just simply look at you as tissue there. You were instead a real person. And He looks at you... And he says, I already have planned out the life for you. You want to know the love of God this morning? This is it. You're still breathing, you're still on this side of the grass that Jeff Nobles is willing to go ahead and put on top of you. Here's the sorry, Jeff. Anything to help the business, buddy? Here's the good news. While you and I still have time, we have the time to accomplish what God wants us to do. Not just what your mom or your dad wants you to do, but what God Almighty created you to do. And guys, listen to me. Looking out in this crowd this morning, we've got some folks that have got plenty of time and we've got some folks that don't have a lot of time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Instead, what we have is an opportunity today, and I want you to take advantage of that. The good news here is that God raised a woman like He did Lazarus. God raised someone from the dead like He did His own son. Here's the difference. Lazarus and Tabitha died again. They died again. Jesus is alive today and trying to get you and me to do what He wants us to do with the time remaining on our clock. And if your clock is ticking slowly towards 12, here's the good news. He has given you this time right now and this sermon is over. The real good news is now God has you right where He wants you. Willing to say yes or no. Yes or no. Yes to making Him Lord of your life. Look, it has nothing to do with being a Baptist. I don't want anyone in this room to be a Baptist. I want you to be a Christ follower. There's a huge difference. I chose to be a Baptist that's a choice of where I will, will, will serve the Lord, what church I'm in. But guys, before that, and, and, and in every sense of the word, when I'm asked what I am, I can say I am a Christ follower, not a Baptist. I am proud of my Baptist heritage. But I'm proud of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's the thing that bought your salvation, and mine. Folks, right now, God has you right where He wants you. Not because I've preached words that have changed your mind, but because His Holy Spirit right now in some of your lives is beginning to chip away at the little hard parts that you've let build up. And what He wants is all of you so that He can raise you from a dead life to a life that will count. What happened in Tabitha's life? It says after she was raised from the dead, lots of folks, that's the miracle, lots of folks said, I want to believe in a God that can change people like that. Do you want to believe in a God like that? Here's your opportunity. Pray with me. Holy Father, in the next few minutes, in this time of commitment and a time where we gather together to sing one song, I pray, Father, it won't just be the end of this portion of the service. But instead, Father, I pray that there will be folks that will say, this is the beginning of my next step in my walk with You. There's some here today, Father, I believe, that need to go ahead and say, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. For the very first time, I've I've chosen what He has chosen. He chose me while He was on the cross. And I choose to believe in Him. Father, for those folks, I pray that You'll give them the grace and the mercy to be able to go ahead and say, you know, Lord, as You've chosen me and You publicly died for me, I will publicly go ahead and proclaim my faith in You. Although there are others that need to place their family and their life in a church family, and you brought them here for that one purpose, and this is that place and this is that time. God, if you are calling them to commit their lives to serve you in this little place, I pray that you'll give them peace and the courage to make that public. Most of all, Lord, I pray that You're not going to allow us on a wonderful Mother's Day to forget the fact that this woman that You raised from the dead had impact. And Father, that You will allow that same impact to echo through our lives as well. Take this time. You use it. Holy Spirit, You move among us. And may it be for the glory of Jesus Christ and Him only. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand together. And as you do... During this song, if God is leading you to a commitment, I would love to pray with you here at our altar area. Simply slip out. Make your way here. God will attend your every step.